Welcome to Traders Corner. Joining me as always is Garth McKenzie, founder and editor of Traders Corner. Garth, welcome. Hi, Julieta. Garth, tonight is an educational show. Uh, we're not going to be discussing any um, trades that you've taken on the portfolio. And in fact, uh, it's a slight deviation from what the show is all about, which is short-term trading. It's actually about stop losses in long-term portfolios. And I understand the genesis for the idea of tonight's show was a, an email that you got from one of our viewers. Yes, that's right. You know, we do these educational shows from time to time when it's a public holiday, as is the case today. It's the 1st of May. And uh, a viewer emailed me some time back and said, the next time we do one of these educational shows, would we please have a look at some sort of a methodology to try and implement some kind of stop loss on long-term positions so that you don't uh, end up being stuck in things that become that have become a disaster and I mean we've got a couple of examples that of them here like Steinhoff is of course one that springs to mind but uh, you know these shares that have gone from yesterday's darlings and, and that have become absolute dogs mm. how do you avoid um, you know be, being caught up in that how do you ensure that you still manage to get out while the going is still good and not get stuck when it becomes a disaster. Yeah. And this is not for traders because, and I think this is one of the questions that long-term investors grapple with quite often when they think, damn it, I should have sold because, yeah. okay, let's start off with a chart of Steinhoff and there's five shares that you want to look at as examples of where mm. you should have used the stop loss. Yeah. I mean, look at that chart. Um, you will never get back uh, the, the peaks of Steinhoff. It, it, it will decidedly never go back to 95 Rand a share. No, it never will. I mean, you can see, and, and, and the thing is, this was a darling. You can see, look at it from 2009. It just had a nice steady upward trend all the way until the middle of 2016. And then it began to roll over and there wasn't really too much concern at that point. People thought, oh, well, it's just pulling back. It's had a long you know, it's had a strong run, it's just correcting. And but it got weaker and weaker and progressively weaker and weaker and weaker until eventually, as you can see, it just fell off a cliff um, late last year and early this year. And uh, this share is down 97% from its peak. And like you said, I don't think we'll ever see Steinhoff going back to those, those levels. And it's been a disaster for many investors. Yeah, I mean, there are uh, factors particular to Steinhoff. Sure. Uh, so you can't necessarily anticipate fraud, but there was something in the charts telling you all was not well. But it's not yeah. just Steinhoff. I mean, let's think of, uh, you've got four other shares. Yeah, we've got others. So I mean, these are all um, sort of yesterday's darlings. EOH Holdings is another one. It had a tremendous run from 2009. It just went up, you know, in a step-like fashion all the way to 2015. 2015-16 it sort of went sideways but this year and last year it really has been a tremendous disappointment and there again I mean, this is a share that was at 180 rand at one point in time it's now down below 50 rand it's dropped 75 percent mm -hmm. you know you've lost three quarters of your money on this share from the peak of uh, you know a year and a half ago now you could argue both, okay, Steinhoff's got its problems of fraud and accounting irre irregularities. EOH has had, you know, tremendous business pressure and also some reputational issues. But yeah. what about a company like MediClinic? MediClinic, you sort of thought, or MTN actually. Yeah. Um, well, okay. We'll do both. We'll do both. Um, MTN at one point was seemingly safe as houses, but yeah. then of course they had the Nigeria issue. Yeah, that's right. So MTN also had a very good run through 2009 all the way to 2014. And then began to roll over and got weaker and weaker and then and it's funny but the, the the scandals or the bad news always seems to come out 
after the share price has already begun to show weakness. And that's the key, and that's what we're going to talk about here, is how do you identify that weakness before it really begins to fall off a cliff. Um, and, and this one here, again, is down 55% from its peak. It is beginning to base now and recover, and I think fundamentally it looks like it's improving. But again, you know, if you'd held this stock, you've lost half your money from the peak to where it is now. Mm. And then uh, MediClinic and also Woolworths, actually. Yeah, so MediClinic, we look at quickly. Now, this one is a little bit different because there was a, um, a, a corporate action which happened in 2016, and that's where you see that big gap to the upside over there on the chart. But nevertheless, even after that, this share price has performed terribly. It's, it's down 50% from its peak. And again, MediClinic was one of the, you know, the bluest of blue chip kind of companies, hospitals, it's defensive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they went off and did a bunch of acquisitions in, in the Middle East, um, or the, the UAE, should we say, and in Switzerland, possibly not such great deals in hindsight. Um, and, and you've seen the results in decline in the share price. And again, if you've been an investor in this stock, you've been very, very disappointed over the last year or two. And then Woolworths is another one. Now, uh, because of the log scale on this graph, it doesn't look terrible, but it is down 40% from its peak. Mm. And this is a stock that also had a tremendous run from 2009 all the way to 2015, but it's started to weaken since then. And again, you've lost 40% of your money from the peak to where it is now. Okay, so if you're a committed long-term investor and you think of investing in terms of 10 to even 20-year periods, how, could, how would you have avoided these kind of losses? Why, what would have signaled you to get out? Okay, so I've got a methodology here which I, th which I think works quite well. It's not the holy grail, and I just want to stress that. I mean, there is no holy grail in the markets, but if you're thinking about how to avoid the big disasters, how to stay in stocks when they're strong and ride good, strong stocks that have got good, strong upward momentum, but still manage to get out before, before it all rolls over, how can you do that? So the methodology that I'm looking at here is a very simple one, and it looks at weekly charts, which is what we've been looking at here, and what you do is you overlay a 50-week moving average and a 25-week moving average onto okay. the chart. Simple, that's all, just those two, two moving averages. And then the way the methodology works is as follows. If your 25-week moving average moves above your 50-week moving average, then that is a buy signal, right? If your 25-week moving average then begins to turn negative, in other words, it takes a downward slope, then you cut half of your position when that happens. And if the 25-week moving average then crosses below the 50-week moving average, then you sell the other half. Then you're out altogether. Okay. Right. One caveat to this, where I've got a little yellow asterisk on this here, is that if you have a situation where your 25-week moving average begins to turn to the downside, but it hasn't yet crossed underneath the 50-week moving average, turns to the downside and then it begins to turn up mm. again. If it does that, then when it takes out the high, the prior high for the 50-week, uh, for the 25-week moving average rather, once it does that, then you look to buy back the other half that you had initially sold. So it will create a little bit of slippage, but it'll certainly keep you out of the big disasters. Uh, as we've seen with these stocks that we've mentioned over here. And what we can do now is take this pretty simplistic methodology and we will then go and have a look at each of these um, stocks that we've discussed here and see how that would have worked and ha ha had you employed this methodology. Okay, so if we start um, from uh, the way we started at the beginning with Steinhoff. Yeah, so here's Steinhoff. So you got a, a pretty big buy signal in 2013. I'll admit that there were a couple of choppy moves in between so 2010 up to 2013. 
but you really did get a good buy signal in, 20, in 2013, a 34 Rand per share, when your 25-week moving average crossed up above your 50-week moving average. And you can see throughout the, the four years, up until 2016, that 50-week moving, the 25-week moving average continued to point upwards the whole time, and it stayed above the 50-week moving average the whole time. Only in 2016 did it start to falter. That's when your 25-week your moving average began to turn to the downside. So that was your first signal to sell half the position. That was at 80 Rand. Then by the time the 25-week the moving average crossed underneath the 50-week moving average, that was your second sell signal to get out altogether. Yeah. You sold the rest at 70 Rand. And since then, it's never given another buy signal since then. That since that moment onwards, the 25-week moving average has stayed below the 50-week moving average, implying that you don't want to own this stock. Yeah, because I suppose, I mean, it's, it's right for you to bring up um, where it has been quite choppy and there has been sort of... Um, uh, bisections or di of the the 25 and the 50 week moving average before. I mean, you could say, well, with hindsight, it's very clear you should have sold then. Uh, maybe in 2012, it wasn't necessarily clear if you should buy or sell at that point. Yeah, you you got a couple of buy and sell signals uh, back to back, which which may have created a little bit of slippage. Look, you wouldn't have really lost money if you had taken all those buy and sell signals. You probably would have come out more or less even yeah, at okay. that point. Um, but you did manage to catch the big move from 2013 to 2016. You would have caught a big move where the share price was up nearly 200%. And what about EOH? Yeah, so EOH has been an incredible story in the, you know, from 2009. Uh, there you can see it actually gave you the first buy signal back at 7 Rand 60 in 2009. And since that point onwards, notice how your 50-week uh, moving average pointed up. Your 25-week moving average also continued to point up the whole time. Only in 2015, your 25-week moving average began to turn over for the first time. Right, It started to turn lower. And then you got a sell signal on the other half at about 120 Rand a little bit later once your 25-week moving average moved below your 50-week moving average. There was a slight false signal back in, um, in 2016 where you would have potentially yeah. gone back in, but it was quickly scuppered again a little while later at approximately the same price where you would have then got out again. But the point is, since then, since this very big drop to the downside, uh, your 25-week your moving average has remained below your 50-week moving average the whole time, and it hasn't crossed back up. So since then, since early 2017, you haven't wanted to own this stock. Is it exactly the same with the other three, so being uh, uh, MTN, Mediclinic, and Woolworths? It's similar. So here, MTN um, gave you a few, again, gave you a few uh, choppy signals back in 20, uh, 2010, thereabouts gave you a buy signal, then it gave you a sell signal a little, a little while later, and another buy signal. The buy signal at 150 Rand back in 2012 was really a, quite a nice buy signal that saw the share price rally 100 Rand from then on up to its peak. And then it began, your 25-week your moving average began to turn over at uh, 215 Rand per share in 2015. That was a, a signal to sell half. And then you got a signal to sell the remainder again in 2015 at about 210 Rand. And you can see since then, your, your two moving averages have stayed below. The 25-week moving average has been below the 50-week moving yeah. average ever since then. Well, that does look like it's turned, actually. That's it. So now, interestingly, for the first time in three years, 
Uh, now you're actually starting to see the 25-week the, the moving average crossing up above the 200-week moving average. So if you do believe that, then it's possible that it's giving you a medium-term buy signal now. Yeah. What about MediClinic and Woolworths? Uh, so MediClinic is, uh, is another example of one that gave you a buy signal early on in 2009, and you caught a very big move where the 50, uh, sorry, the 25-week moving average stayed above the 50-week moving average all the way until 2014. There was a little bit of noise there where it gave you a signal to sell half, but then you would have got back in on that half. You would have bought that half back once that 25-week moving average went back up and mm. broke its prior high. So you got in back again at, at 85 Rand. And then another sell signal um, to sell half at 100 Rand, to sell half at 105 just after that. And then you did get a buy signal at 123. Now, this is where it gets a little bit um, messy on this particular stock because there was the corporate action yeah. uh, with where it went to El Noor and then back to Medi MediClinic International, etc. But the point I want to make is that had you taken those the last sell signal back in 2016, again, you've been out of the stock. You've avoided this big 50% yeah, decline stock. successfully out of the stock and you're not back in it yet by any stretch. And imagine exactly the same thing with Woolworths. Yeah, Woolworths as well. So. Uh, it got you in in 2009 at 11 Rand per share. There were a few choppy signals in 2013 and 2014, but you got a clear sell signal in early 2016 at 85 Rand per share, where that 25-week moving average crossed underneath the 50-week moving average. And since then, it's been like that. So you've never wanted to own Woolworth since then. Mm. And do you find this more useful than buy, hold, and sell recommendations from analysts? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. You know, I think uh, we, we see a lot of analyst recommendations come out where it's a buy signal at the top <laughs> and a well, buy recommendation and then once it's been absolutely thrashed then, it's uh, a sell. then it becomes a sell. So I think this is an, a, maybe a cheaper way to identify buy and sell signals than paying big salaries to analysts. Mm, well we'll leave it there. Garth thanks as always for joining <laughs> us. Garth McKenzie is of course founder and editor of Traders Corner.